With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Here we go, straight out of Vegas in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studio. Steve Cofield, RJ Bell. Two hours tonight, boys, and we got two wise guys with us. Steve Fezzik, an originator in the NBA, also an excellent NFL handicapper. Probably sneak a little NFL preview talk. And Brad Powers, we know we're sneaking in some college football preview talk. That is Brad's specialty. Focus tonight, though, LeBron James, Golden State, Game 2. We got the odds. We got the picks. We got it all. Showtime! Woo! Vegas lead, Game 2 on the way on Sunday. And you guys tell me, is most of the money coming in on the Cavaliers because the line has dropped yesterday. It was 12 now it's Golden State 11 and a half, and there is an 11 out there. And this is, I think, a good example of the zigzag. So let's define that. The zigzag is, in the NBA playoffs specifically, when one team wins, so that's moving in the zigging direction, it tends to zag the other way the next game. Why? Because the team who won may be a little complacent. Team that lost, maybe, or probably, a sense of urgency. And to me, in general, if you look at game one, home team wins, favorite wins, even if the favorite covers, line tends to drop. The only rationale for that, because imagine a scenario in game one that Golden State would have won by 20. The line still would have dropped. And you might say, how could that be? Golden State showed themselves to be the better team. But that leads to that phenomenon of the motivational edge for the team that lost. Fez, here's my question. (laughs) It seems to me that there has to be some reevaluation of how much distance there is between Golden State and Cleveland. So you tell me, you do the power ratings, you are thinking about this mathematically, 
Forget every other factor other than how good is Golden State, how good is Cleveland, how well do they match up. Have you reevaluated off of game one? I have. I had them five and a half points apart, and now I have them only about four and a half points apart. And a big part of that, I'm very concerned that Golden State's not going to be able to stop LeBron all series long. All right. So did we expect that LeBron has LeBron? This is the fourth series. One of the things we'll be talking about is some are saying this is some in the media. This series, these matchups are ones we'll remember in 50 years and forget Magic and Bird. To me, that's absurd, but we're going to examine it. We got some sound from Mike Greenberg on that. But specifically in this case, do you feel like LeBron's been stopped? Did you expect he would be stopped? Obviously, he put up more points than we expected in game one. But you've reevaluated how good LeBron is? I mean, I'm confused. Yeah, well, I expected him to struggle a little bit. Not struggle, but to take a little bit of a back seat, which he typically does in Game 1s. The last two years in Game 1s against Golden State, he scored 23 and 28. Now he puts up a 50, and part of the reason that he hasn't put up as many points, for whatever reason, Iguodala has been a tough defensive matchup against him. It turns out the offensive efficiency drops nine points for Cleveland when Iguodala covers LeBron. Well, he missed game no, one. Well, so first off, though, the I think a skeptic would say that's from last year and from the year before, and Iguodala's age and, and physical well-being seems to be obviously a big enough question mark that he's missing games, but I'm saying just as the years pass, you would have to say Iguodala's a less, lesser player today than he was uh, 24 months ago, right? Yeah, I think there is some slight regression there. Slight? Maybe even Kofi, a significant what you, what one. What do you think? I think it's jump slight. In, jump in, maybe. No, I think it's slight. And I think the problem for the Warriors is that they're such a top-heavy roster that it's not the fact that Iguodala is gone. It's who's the replacement. Who's the guy who goes in and takes those 15 minutes trying to cover LeBron James? Yeah, I question the, the answer. And obviously that's why there's vanilla and chocolate ice cream. But the idea Iguodala is near the player he was... 24 months ago, I I just don't see it. I, it. But you guys are sticking to that, huh? No, I I agree with you. He's not as good, RJ. But now that he's not there at all, all of a sudden, Green and Durant have to work so much hard taking mo- up more minutes covering LeBron, it could well impact them on, on the offensive side as well. Okay, so what you're saying is if somehow Iguodala was there in Game 2, and my understanding is what, doubtful? Yeah, he's unlikely, and he I'm- won't be close to 100% if he does go. Okay, so what's the injury exactly? He has a problem with a contusion on his knee, and he's been running. When he runs, he's in pain. Okay, so what we're hearing is this. Iguodala's the LeBron, not stopper, but the hinderer, perhaps. And without him, not only don't they have that player, but because of the top-heavy salary cap, no, and no one's really stepped up, you know, on a, a cheap surprising contract that now all of a sudden the eighth guy's getting the seventh guy's minutes and everyone's shuffling down one, and the effect of that is significant. Exactly correct. All right, so, but the market was uh, saying no. Well, game one, it was up to 13 in spots. Golden State at home, favored by 13. Now, way to put that in a little bit of perspective. 50 prior ho- home games for Golden State this year, 50 of them, playoffs, regular season. And it was only 12 of the 50 
the line was as big as it was in game one against the Cavs. So that implies that the Cavs are in the, the bottom quarter of the NBA. Um, so it, with Iguodala out, and apparently we're spending minutes talking about how important he is, did you make your biggest bet of the year, Fez, on uh, the Cavs in game one? No, didn't even make a bet on the Cavs game one. So explain it to me. How, what kept you on? It would seem now some a handicapper could c- come along and say, listen, I know Fezzik's renowned, and perhaps it's a situation where he used to be good, and he's gotten older. In all the five boroughs, I'm known. I'm known all over the f-ing world. People might not even consider that to be, you know, anything they're scared of. They might say, Fezzik, here is my handicap. Iguodala's out. They're thinner now. And LeBron's going to be able to dominate. And 13, that's gigantic. I just made my biggest bet of the year on Cleveland game one. Now, he's looking pretty smart right now, this hypothetical tormentor of yours. What would you have said to say, oh, no, 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 son. Here's why you don't get it. Here's why I didn't bet Cleveland. Game ones in the finals have been absolutely a great bet for the favorites. The home favorites have done great. They were 12-1 against the spread the last 13 years. Further, LeBron oftentimes, for whatever reason, takes game ones off in terms of shooting. He passes the ball more. He gives to his teammates. He did not do that at all. This game one, this was the first time I've seen him do that in years. Yeah, and, and I would say that there is a, you know, when I hear a 12 and 1 or so, even against the spread, you know, I'm a, I want logic behind it. And there did seem to be some logic here, which was the idea that Golden State is, uh, been coasting to some degree. Obviously, they didn't coast at the end against Houston, but they've coasted as much as any team. Into the finals? I mean, if you start with game one of the regular season, it's an interesting question. Open question. Steve, you might want to jump in. Open question is, can we think of a team this century that's coasted as much from game one of the regular season to game one of the finals? So I'm not talking about what happened in game one, but up to that point, it would seem to me that I mean, maybe one of those Laker teams the third time around. I mean, I can't recall. But, boy, this has been unusual, the amount of, you know, hey, we can turn it on whenever we want mentality that Golden State's had. Agree, disagree? Strongly agree. And we see that even in the quarter numbers where oftentimes they seem to take the first half off, RJ, and then they're great in the third quarter. Oh, we got to win the game. But that's pretty much the only quarter they seem to put effort in throughout the year. I agree. Yeah, I mean, I agree that they coasted most of the year, and uh, that third quarter confidence allows them to play less than great in the first half and get away with it. So it seems, I agree. And so it seems like that the idea that they would have said, let's make a statement in game one. Let's just show them. The crowd's going wild. Let's show them this is now a different gear. So I, I see all those reasons that that tormenting kid was wrong, or at least why well, you had some rationale, Fez, to say no, no, no. But then maybe does that tell us that the whatever factors led to Cleveland playing so well, if it included overcoming all these negatives we're talking about, Cleveland negatives, 
Maybe this is a much, much, much closer series than we thought. What causes you to say, other than the obvious, well, it was one game? Other than that, if you, if you tell me there's all these reasons that, that we should be looking to bet the home team, and then still the road team should have won the game, doesn't that tell you, man? And, I mean, can we point and say that, oh, Golden State played horribly or look how badly they shot? That's usually the, the fallback, oh, how badly they shot. They didn't shoot badly. That's the point. Yeah, they just didn't defend LeBron very well. I, I think it's going to be a closer series than we thought, but that doesn't apply to game two. That's why I don't like the zigzagging game two at all. And I think, remember... The motiv- the, who's the motivation on the side of in and, game two? I don't think it's the team that lost. Well, I, I think you're right. And, and, and I think, Cofield, you're right in both directions. Meaning, I think Cleveland's going to be deflated, pointing fingers, laying blame, LeBron feeling like... And listen, he's, he's only a human... I mean, some ways he's superhuman, but in many other ways he's just a human. And he's thinking this is such an uphill climb to win this series. I put a historic performance in. If someone just makes a free throw, an 80% free throw shooter, we have a heck of a chance to win. And if someone gets a rebound and lays it back in and knows the score, we have a, a heck of a chance to win. To lose that game? It feels like the idea of there's nothing I can do to help us win four now four out of the next six. I think that's a little demoralizing, or more than a little, perhaps. And I also think it's a situation where Golden State, there's just no way that Golden State's going to say, oh, well, we had that one the whole time. Let's relax in game two. So I agree with you. And when we come back, we're going to get in to the specifics of Game 2 and get Fezzik's pick. That's on the way, straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Straight out of Vegas, coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Steve Cofield, RJ Bell, Fezzik. In the wise guy's chair. He might get grilled a little bit this segment because I've got some questions and I'm going to have you two both in the hot seat. Cofield in the hot seat, but it's also square, a square hot seat. And Fez in a wise guy hot seat. Here's my question. And and let's, you know, there's a a very good movie. uh, If you like financial thrillers. Financial, think about that a second. It's called Margin Call, and it's all over. I think it's on HBO. I'm not sure one of the pay channels, but they're running it a couple times a day. And it's about the financial crisis in 2008. And great, really, really great movie, in my opinion. But one point, and this doesn't give much away the head guy, the guy no one's ever seen hardly, helicopters in in the middle of the night because there's a uh, catastrophe potentially going to happen. And he, they all sit down, and everyone's scared. Have you seen this, Fest? I have. Love it. Yeah, great movie. They all sit down, everyone's scared, and he says, speak to me like I'm an eight-year-old boy, or I think he said a golden retriever. He goes, keep it simple. So I'm going to say, <laughs> guys, speak to me simply. If all I did was watch game one, and I say, man, that Cleveland team should have won. I've never watched basketball, but boy, they got some bad breaks. And that Golden State team... Man, give them credit. They won, but whoo, it's going to be some close games. Explain to me, and we'll start with you, Fez. Oh, here we go again. Explain to me what I'm missing. 
I agree with you. If all we saw was game one and we didn't know which well, was the better team. So what do we mean? Well, or another way to say it is, what do we expect in game two, three, four, and beyond that would say whatever dynamic you saw in that game, here's why it won't likely repeat itself. And the dynamic being that Cleveland on the road should have won the game, which implies they're five points better. I expect Golden State to have a better effort on the boards. They got out-rebounded by 15. All right, so how would you characterize Golden State's effort in Game 1 relative to their effort at point at other points during the season? Just give me a good contrast where, boy, if they only play as well as they did in those November games, or like what this effort you're talking about, point to me and tell me when they've done that. Their effort was comparable to what it's been throughout the playoffs, which is only... So what you're saying is they're playing the way they always play. Yeah, I didn't see them right. playing harder. All right, so what, we, so what you're saying is the condition that has to occur, at least one of them, is Golden State plays an effort level unlike any they've really played this year. If that happens, then it's, it's not going to be a really close series, perhaps. That's one. Does that sound right to you, Cofield? Is is do you agree what you saw effort level from Golden State in Game One is comparable to the way they played effort level throughout the season? Yes, they coast at times, and they can turn it on uh, to start at least keeping up on the boards. And then in the case of Game One, I just think the the effort after Green and and Durant was solid on the boards. I mean, hell, on the last play, freaking Durant didn't even bother to box out a six six player in J.R. Smith. So we're saying the game's on the line, and, literally. And they still weren't concentrating. And they're still not concentrating. Uh-huh. So, Fez, you're saying, hey, what I expect is something to happen that hasn't happened all year. It's possible. I don't know well, if I, I expect sorry, it. I, okay, then if you don't expect it, then should we be looking <laughs> to make be, a monster big, bet on the Cavs? Because every Cavs. I'm back to the Golden Retriever watching the game. What I saw is even teams slight advantage Cavs because they should have won, and the game was in Golden State. I agree with you. I'm ready. I'm on board to make a big bet on the Cavs. I want to ask you, RJ. Uh, for the series? No, for game two here. All right, but but hold on. Right now, if you bet Cleveland to win the series, you can get about 11 to 1. All right? 1,000 wins you $11,000. So explain to me if you're telling me these are borderline even teams why you wouldn't want the 11 to 1 because whenever cleveland wins a game outright i do think the next game we'll get that zigzag and we'll get that enhanced effort from golden state so but game 1 historically is the statement game for the home team in the nba finals as you laid out in the first segment thus if they're not stepping up in that spot that historically every team or not every team, but a vast majority of home teams in the NBA Finals have stepped up, and they said no to that. Cofield makes a great point. If there's one play the entire game, or maybe not one, if there's 10 plays the entire game, you think everyone would be trying their best, it would have been the free throw shot, right? So you're saying, well, yeah, but the the thing we need to trigger them, Golden State, to get to this place they haven't really been this year, is to lose a game. Then they're going to get there. Boy, did we see that in... Now listen, Golden State's won every series up to this point. So obviously, they've been able to turn it on enough. Mm -hmm. But is that potentially their Achilles heel? That LeBron in the right spot is going to have a will 
when they do decide to turn it on that won't allow them to run over like they were able to run over Houston, like they were able to run over, you know, other teams. But in, in the end, they didn't run over Houston. So it still went seven. So yeah. we're, we're saying this can be a competitive series. Uh, you you flip now on game two? Now, no, I like now you Cleveland. want the points? No, okay. I, I, I like Cleveland okay. in, in game two. I want to ask RJ. Here's my only concern. Uh, emotionally, how does Cleveland react to the end game of game one? I, I, I think these are great topics. But people who are listening closely, you know, in between their beers to, you know, at uh, 1.30 on the East Coast, maybe drinking some tea or something, is they're saying, wait a minute, no one's answered the question yet. What is the scenario or what are, are the circumstances that make it clear the Golden State is the better team? And so far... So here... Right. There, there will be absolute motivation in this game, and I do believe they're going to make adjustments. More motivation in Game Two, absolutely. than there was in Game One. Yes, absolutely. All right, and more motivation in Game Two than one of the last plays of the game in yep. Game One. Yes, I think. I that think game, seems absurd. I think, I think Game. I can't explain why there wasn't a box out on the final play. That, regulation. That's the point. There's a lot of things we can't explain. I think this is going to be a great example that Kerr can use for Game Two, and I think the other big thing. You don't is think defense. he was using anything for Game One? He didn't get through to him, obviously. I know. Game two, they're also going to play a much better defensive game, even without Iguodala. And Why? Maybe, and maybe, I'm going to explain, maybe without a super healthy Clay Thompson who gets his time on LeBron as well, I think what they're going to do this time around is make every effort to get the ball out of LeBron James' hand. And they and just decide not to do that, do that I, in game one? I think they tried to. I think they're going to try team, harder this time. Sure, why not? <laughs> Throw more doubles at them? Of course, yes. And Because when you look at the rest of the team from three-point range, there were seven of 30 from three-point range. Let someone else shoot. And sometimes LeBron can be suckered into that where he can be more of a distributor than an attacker. It seems like we're now, well, it's not that we seem like. We are certainly now a fourth championship series into this matchup. Mm-hmm. The idea that they finally figured out how to stop LeBron, I mean, that doesn't make any sense. Well, I mean, what you're telling me is they're going to play LeBron differently than they played him the last three years? Well, they're going to have to. We pointed out, we pointed out 10 minutes ago the way they've played him in the past to slow him down a little bit was Iguodala being out there. What was the number he had? The, the first three meetings in these series, he covered 40% of the possessions. He's out. Now, when everyone else has That's the point up, I make. Now, if you guys tell me can, uh, scenario number two is when Iguodala gets back, everything changes, I'm open to that. Right. History set. Now, again, we don't know when he's coming back. We don't know how healthy he's going to be when he comes back. And But, boy, it, it feels like saying they're just going to try harder. I'll throw one other factor at you. Can we... Bank on Kevin Durant. If he's the second best player in the world, can we bank on Kevin Durant playing a better game on both ends of the floor? I love how, you know, we talk about LeBron going into dad mode. Durant doesn't have that. Have you seen it? Of course. He's had when? monster games in the past. Well, that's random, though. I go to play poker, in, in and this, sometimes I win a lot. Sometimes, more often I win a lot, but sometimes I lose. Is I, It's never me saying, I'm going to try extra hard today. Well, it's a little different in poker. It's a little well, more no, cerebral it's, than no, no, because than poker really is about. You know what's funny is, and it's it's another conversation, but your discipline in poker is probably if you know what you're doing, 
nothing dictates your results more than discipline. As in, are you playing the right hand? So is that physical or emotional? Well, that's certainly emotional. Okay. But but what is a physical effort? Unless you're restrained somehow because of illness, is it's about do you have the mental willpower to try that hard? I, I just really, if you really strip down, and, and let's get Brad in this, just as a, 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 a very sharp sports guy, am I hearing... Are you hearing what I'm hearing, which is we're, we're, we're 12 minutes into discussing why isn't Cleveland, a, why isn't this a toss-up series? And the thing we've gotten so far is potentially Iguodala is coming back, might change something. All right, let's set that aside because he's not back for game two, most likely. And we have no idea when he's coming back and how good he's going to be. And otherwise, it's... Golden State's going to try harder. And oh, by the way, historically, Golden State hasn't tried harder at any point, really, for the entire year. And oh, by the way, historically, NBA home teams in game one, that's their max effort. Am I hearing, are you hearing anything else? I am not. And uh, what I'm hearing as we talk this through, uh, you guys are talking me into making a bet on Cleveland game two and a small, a nibble on Cleveland in the series. And I don't know. See, but that's the thing. I, I, my gut feeling I'm is, not convinced. yeah, my gut feeling is I don't want that either. That's why I'm waiting for them to tell me something that's going to make me feel like, oh, that's the answer. Well, are you completely discounting the overtime because Golden State just crushed Cleveland in the overtime? Is it fair to say, hey, this was basically a pick 'em? Let me game? ask you a question. You, you were watching the end game, right? Yeah. What was the end, What was the high point for the Cavs? I don't recall. I'm sorry. Okay. So if just thinking about the scenarios where they have an 80% free throw shooter shooting with two seconds left in the game, what was it, two, two and a half? 4.7. 4.7 left. At that point, what odds would you put on it? Cavs probably minus 150. Minus 150? Yeah, you should make them both and then you get to. Well, for, hold, hold. I'm saying once the first one was made. Oh, okay. So now you're shoot your tie game, 80% free throw shooter. Still only like minus 165, RJ. That's you can, insane. No, you can advance the ball with yeah, a timeout. So, yeah, so that you're saying that you got four seconds left to score down one, and you think it's about 40% they score. Yeah. Oh, boy, history. Boy, this is another ma- – the, the, the Warriors are magic somehow. Does that sound right to you, Brad? No, I was thinking uh, more like a 25% chance at max. Oh, Curry could shoot a 35-footer, and he, he'll make one out of three and a half. Well, we're going to let... I have no idea who is betting at this point. Yeah, I, well, listen. Now, now he did it at the end of the first half. Like he made a 35-footer in the first quarter. That's your point? Is he made a 35-footer at one point? My, my point? Is that really your point? My point is... I think it shouldn't be. You can always get a 30% shot from Curry from 35 feet. He makes it like 30%. Well, about a third of the time that people have situations like this, they don't even get a shot off. Teams literally won't get a shot off. A can third advance of the, the ball with the timeout. I think they all. No, get I a, understand advancing the ball. They get a shot off. RJ four point six, plenty of time. I'm not saying they don't get a shot off because they don't have time to get a shot off. I'm saying they don't get a shot off because one guy is going up to shoot. Someone gets right in his face. He's trying to pass it off. All of a sudden, there's a half a second. I mean, you don't see that like a like at least twenty five percent of the time when when someone's got shooting to win the game with four seconds left. Yeah, but doesn't happen as often to a team like Golden State. Oh, the match. Magical Golden State. Now listen, we're going to get an update here. When we come back, we're not only going to finish this, we're going to hear, though, if you do want to bet Cleveland, the best way to do it.
Steve DeSager has the latest. All right, the NBA Finals continue tomorrow night. Cleveland at Golden State Game 2. Clay Thompson of the Warriors expects to play despite a high ankle sprain. He's listed as questionable. In the Stanley Cup Final of the NHL, Washington up two games to one after beating Vegas tonight 3-1. Game 4 is Monday night in D.C. Game 5 of the series won't be till Thursday in Vegas. Serena Williams won her third-round match at the French Open. Then Serena plays Monday against Maria Sharapova in a fourth-rounder. Sunday's Pocono 400 will be on FS1, 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Kyle Busch took NASCAR's Xfinity race today. Final round coverage of the U.S. Women's Open is on Fox TV starting at 2 p.m. Eastern Time Sunday. Arya Jutanagar leads by four strokes. Tiger Woods is five shots back at the Memorial. Sunday's tee time's been moved up with thunderstorms expected there for part of the day. Everything in Major League Baseball is a final. Arizona and pitcher Zach Greinke got a 6-2 win over Miami. The Marlins have lost five in a row. They have the worst record in the National League. Seattle beat Tampa Bay and Chris Archer 3-1. The Mariners now tied with Houston for first in the AL West. Houston lost at home to David Price and the Red Sox 5-4. The Yankees were 8-5 winners at Baltimore, handing the Orioles a seventh straight loss. 14-inning wins for both Washington and the Cubs. The Cubs were in a 1-1 game going to the 14th against the Mets. Cubs had struck out 24 times. They still won the game 7-1 in 14, a combined 472 pitches thrown in that one. Padres and Texas each one, Texas in 10 over the Angels. San Francisco got a win, and the Dodgers were tied 4-4 until eight runs in the seventh. They win 12-4 at Colorado. Back to you. All right, Steve. Trying to figure things out here on Strata of Vegas with Game 2 on the way in the NBA Finals. Why are the spreads so big in this game, and why is the series number so lopsided? You're certainly... I think trying to make a case. I think no, I'm really not. I'm trying. You're just trying to parse through why why these he, numbers exist. No, here's what I'm trying to understand: is what did we see in game one? Right. We just we just saw a game go to overtime, and now we still got an eleven and a half point spread and a well, but but that's the, the thing is nine hundred to eleven hundred to win the series. I usually understand why. I usually understand the range of possible outcomes considering given to givens, as they say, meaning football has massive variance. Luck is, hey, it's uh, third and one on the 43, play action pass long. Do they throw a flag or not? If they do, it's going to be probably seven points. If they don't, they punt. Punt return, holding or not holding, touchdown or not. Couple plays, couple bounces. And footballs are not round, so it bounces funny, as they say. Now, hockey, you see the same thing. One goal can make it. In basketball, what? where is the luck? The luck is potentially, well, obviously it's, does that three go in, or does the ref call a foul when a guy's shooting a three and he doesn't have his space coming, you know, coming down, and sometimes they call it, sometimes they don't, and maybe that's worth 2.4 points with a good foul shooter. But what, or the ball bounces up and hits the top of the bank board and goes in. That's it. And usually over the course of a 48 minute game, you're not going to have like six, seven, eight, nine lucky plays on one side and zero on the other. Thus, we're talking a couple of buckets. So in basketball, usually the difference is, oh, look, that team just, they, they were tied. They must have been out playing craps the night before and you can dismiss it, right? Or you can say, wow, that team shot 20% better than they typically do, and the other team shot 20% worse. So it makes sense they got blown out. 
I don't. Golden State shot the way they typically do. Golden State played with the effort that they typically do. LeBron played like LeBron in the finals. Now, obviously, he played a little bit better than he. But who's to know? This isn't his now his current level. One of the things we've been talking about is he's playing with more energy today than he did four years ago. He was in that Spurs series four years ago when he was with the Heat, and LeBron was getting cramps and was not playing 48 minutes. So I don't understand, and let's take one more pass at it, is what happened to this game to explain it away other than, well, we think Golden State's going to play harder, and oh, by the way, they haven't really, for whole games, played harder than they did in game one very much if any times the entire year. And, hey, in some future date, uncertain, Iguodala's coming back, and that could change everything. I don't hear it. Last chance, Fess. The explanation is... Oh, you've been holding it back? <laughs> it's the expectations from the prior year. Everyone recalls Golden State winning in five games, going up 3-0, and the... Narrative is that this Cleveland team's worse than the team last year. So surely Golden State's going to have no problems. But I agree with you, RJ. No, but I, well, hold on, hold on. I wasn't asking to explain the spread. I'm asking to explain why you don't think the spread should be four in this game. Well, I think I should give some weighting to the prior um, series that these teams have had. You mean last year? Yeah, absolutely. It's got to have some bearing. Why? They're different teams. I mean, I thought Cle- Cleveland apparently, and, and it'd be nice if we had the tape, you were celebrating their trade when they traded half their <laughs> players and how great these guys were. So we're looking at last year when when, when Golden State has been, not, when Iguodala played last year, right? In Golden State. And it, they had a better bench. And they had a better, so yeah. I And listen, I get it. I'm usually the one saying any small number of games, versus 82 or 82 plus the playoffs, I'm always erring towards believing the bigger number. Even though the more recent games are more recent, that's, they should be weighted a little bit more. I'm just wondering if if there's something about without Iguodala, and I'm very open to Iguodala, because if LeBron can't put up, you know, if LeBron puts up 33, boy, now it's going to be those role players got to really have hot games and I'm going to bet they don't four out of six times, let's say, right? But what happened? Maybe, just maybe, without Iguodala, that game we saw from LeBron is the game we're going to see every game. He's going to put that amount of effort in every game. And, I mean, how – I don't remember his shooting stats. How, what, how, what was his shooting stats? I think he was just a little bit over 50%. The team, though, for Cleveland uh, – Hold on, I – New topic, maybe. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But what I'm talking about right now is LeBron James hitting 50% when he's going into the post, when he's going to the hoop. He was amazing. He was 19 to 32 and 3 of 7 from deep and 10 of 11 from the line. 3 of 7 from deep. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is it feels like... Yeah, well, it feels like this is a repeat. If he has the energy, it feels like this is a repeatable performance. Right or wrong? Correct. I'm never banking on 51. Can, hear- can he eclipse 37, 40 in every game? Yes. But that might just be the difference between them being within you know six versus 14. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I, again, I I can promise you, if someone gave me Golden State even minus six hundred, I'd make a monster bet. My gut tells me that this entire season means so much more than the one game. But boy, I I, I am I rarely, if ever, see a game that's so different from expectations. As in, uh, Golden State was supposed to win easily. They were upwards of a 13-point favorite. I've never seen a game, or it's rare to see a game, that varies so much from expectations without there being a very clear reason. Golden State shot bad. Cleveland shot good. Someone got hurt. Whatever. And we've talked about it at length, and I'm not hearing that. Yeah, I think you're spot on that Golden State actually got fortunate in this game. They shot 51%, Cleveland only 44%. If I was going to make a bet over under 44% game two, I'd bet over for Cleveland to shoot over 44%. Golden State shot better from three, and you could make the case Golden State got lucky in the final minute. So conclusion here is what? That I'm if I'm laying these points, am I being incredibly square? Am I buying into the narrative that was sold after last uh, the last finals and leading into this finals. Am I just buying into some storyline? I think you're asking the right question because to me, before we decide on what we're collectively agreeing to, and Fez, you're going to give your individual bet right after this break, but I think there is one factor in this game, game two specifically, that we've got to answer the question before we can possibly bet the Cavs. Can't wait to hear it. Straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Back here on Straight Outta Vegas, going to get Fezzik's pick for Game 2. Warriors laying 11.5 against the Cavs. we got a couple of big Cavs supporters on Twitter. Kyle sends over no Iggy. LeBron will continue to take over the series and keep these games close. Brian said without a healthy Clay Thompson and Iguodala in Game 2, take the Cavs heavy to cover and even win outright tomorrow night. Ooh, and guys, listen, give us your Twitter feedback, and uh, we'll, if it's good, and I'm the judge of that, we'll talk about it. His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. We're in the Geico Studios. All right, so what's this question we have to answer? What is the aftermath of Game 1's disappointing loss? Is there turmoil in the Cavs locker room? Obviously, does J.R. Smith, is he sleeping you know, maybe his obliviousness might be an advantage here. Right? He, he might not be sure what, you know, did we win that game one? Who knows? I told you the other day on our podcast, he's a brilliant guy. He knows what to do. Cozy up and make sure LeBron's happy. And I get to stay around. You know, this is dating me a little bit, but uh, all you guys probably remember Sam Perkins. Remember Sam in the 90s? Mm-hmm. Looked at him. It looked like he didn't know what planet he was on. But he would shoot threes. Like he'd shoot shots you couldn't imagine him shooting. <laughs> and he had no, you know, it was just like, you three, know, swish, swish, three swish. Three points that shot. Yeah, it was just like he never worried. You know, maybe that's an advantage. Does LeBron, I could see two possibilities here, and they're very different. One is LeBron saying, yeah, game one, I gave all, and I'm giving it all in game two. We're coming out of here with a split. And nothing's stopping me. And J.R. Smith, I'm going to tell you the score between every possession, right? <laughs> or it's, hey, that was our chance. And yeah, we'll try hard in Cleveland, but I just don't have it in me to put another effort like that in, right? So 
Fez, as you're thinking about where the value is, how much do you account for the uncertainty in, in the Cavs being flat or not off that disappointment? You know, I struggle with this factor. I really don't know how much to price into it. It's like a poker hand where there's really a range here. But any reasonable assumptions, there's a chance it won't impact them. There's a chance that it will. But the Well, the, let's get that straight. So I asked you a question of how much this is going to impact, and your answer is it may impact, it may not. <laughs> I do not know the answer. <laughs> That's Steve Fezzik. That's the, but if that's the case, just say you don't know the answer. Don't repeat like the two possibilities. We got that part. It may or may not. I'll tell you this, and, and I believe this strongly. Knowing when you, or being honest when you don't know something, and I'm saying being honest to yourself as a handicapper, that's so key because one, it either keeps you off the game or potentially causes you to handicap it differently. Here's what I'm going to propose. If you like Cleveland out there, coast to coast, I'd look at the money line. I think if this team does come with a vengeance, then what we saw in game one with Iguodala, you know, very likely out again, feels like what very likely could happen. And if you believe, if you like Golden State, I think don't be shy laying that lumber because I, I could see if, if you gave me the right odds, Golden State winning by over thirty. You know what's the right odds on that? If if uh, what four to one maybe five to one? Got to be five to one. Yeah, I'm not sure. I wouldn't bet five to one that Golden State wins by thirty, and I'm not sure I wouldn't bet getting what eight seven to one now that Cleveland wins the game. Meaning, I think that that question about how. Cleveland responds, drives. I don't think you can like Cleveland if you think they're going to be devastated by game one. And I don't think you can really like Golden State all that much if you think we're going to see what we saw out of Cleveland in game one. All right, Fez, so you add it all up. If I want to bet like Fez, what what do I do in game two? I'm going to bet the first quarter and the first half on the Cavs. Plus first quarter, first half on the Cavs. You championed this idea, RJ. Avoid Golden State in the third quarter. Golden State's margin of victory, 80% of it is accumulated in third quarters, not just in the playoffs, but the regular season. This team is a juggernaut in the third quarter. Don't want to go against them then. First half, first quarter, Cavs. When we come back, we're talking more LeBron, but in this case, where is LeBron going to be next year? What team's he playing for? We got the odds on it, and we got some sound from LeBron himself that I think gives us a clue. By the way, Vegas also released odds on the title next year. We'll get to that as well. I think that's a big part of the story here. Straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Another 60 minutes on the way from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Great news. There's a quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com. And in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on car insurance. Steve Cofield, RJ Bell. Our number two, we got two wise guys. Fezzik, NBA specialist and NFL specialist. Brad Powers, college specialist. And at the bottom of the hour, we're going to be talking three gigantic week one college football matchups. So the Vegas lead for our two is all to do with LeBron James and his future and the numbers around it. Because there are odds out there that concern LeBron James in 
many of them. And you can bet online, faraway places, as they say, what team LeBron is going to be on next year. And we'll talk about those odds. And quite frankly, I think people are going to be surprised. Also, you can bet now here in Vegas who's going to win the NBA title next year. Now, Cofield, you told a story, I think it was last night, right here on Straight Out of Vegas, about how when LeBron was potentially leaving Miami, you said, hey, there was a way to look at Cleveland, and they were, and I remembered, and you brought up the exact same number, 60-1. to to I talked about it all year. I remember in our spots locally, I kept asking you, should I make a speculation bet? That was that was actually available before the season, his last season in Miami. And, hey, there was an outside chance. He might go home, be the hero, try to win a title there after he gets a second out of three years in Miami, 60-1. to one. So there's two ways you can get at this if you do have a strong opinion on where LeBron's going to go. But to me, some of the things said and some of the analysis recently – speaks to where he's likely to go. And let's start from LeBron himself. We've got some sound of LeBron talking, and we're going to actually, and here's what I suggest. I'm getting a piece of paper down, and I'm writing down as we listen to this sound, is what is LeBron really saying? Meaning if he had an idea (laughs) bubble above his head, like a truth bubble, (laughs) what would the truth bubble say? So think about that when we hear from LeBron. The odds was against us, you know, from the, from the summer. We just had so many things going with our team. We shuffled in different lineups. We shuffled in different players. We made a trade at the deadline. And um, I can't sit here right now and say that um, finals was was a part of my thinking. It was not. I have to sit here. I can't even lie to you. Sit here and say, I'm, will we be a part of the finals? I would be definitely lying to you if I said, yes, we would be in the finals in January or February. Yeah, you, you didn't think that that was the case no. at all. It was at points where it was like, okay, will the Cavs even make the playoffs? I just know from being a part of the finals for for eight straight years, I know we're playing this team now for the fourth straight years, how much um, havoc and how much anxiety they cause. Whatever happens here in this finals, are you comfortable with what it says about you or your legacy or any of that? Oh, I cannot be comfortable. I'm never comfortable. I'm never comfortable. I've gotten better with understanding that conversations are going to be conversations no matter what. It's so weird in that people kind of categorize like, individuality and then team and then take away one individual and say, okay, well, if you're that good, you should be able to beat that team. You mentioned earlier in this interview about not want Kyrie Irving to be traded. Yeah. You actually made a phone call and said, I don't want this trade to happen. Felt like it was just bad for our franchise to be able to just to trade away our our superstar point guard. Obviously, I wasn't part of the communications and know what exactly went on between the two sides, but I just felt like it was just it was bad timing for our, for our team to just get rid of our, our 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 point guard. That is so loaded. That was a conversation from ESPN with Rachel Nichols. I've got like nine bullet points. Okay, so I'm, I'll run mine down and you can augment Cofield. The odds were against LeBron. <laughs> In fact, even the call, even this, even the hope of making the finals. I mean, that wasn't even, you know, it's like, am I going to marry this supermodel? No chance. The question is, are you going to get a single date? And in this case, making the playoffs. That was their real goal. Now, LeBron's been in eight straight finals. You may or may not know that. And the last three against Golden State, and they're so good. Oh, do they cause anxiety and problems? 
oh, by the way, the fact that I lost two of the three and probably will lose this one, you know, don't let that confuse you. They're that good. And oh, by the way, me, LeBron, never comfortable, never going to rest. But I have grown. I have evolved. Is I understand that people in the media are so stupid that they'll sometimes blame me for things like this. But I, I've grown to understand that. But how could one man, even, even LeBron, win some of these series that I've lost? It's impossible. And oh, by the way, a lot of people might say, Kyrie, he's gone. And boy, how much better would you be with him? I agree. Someone else did that, and I had nothing to do with it. Fair? Yep. <laughs> all in all, a yeah, tremendous setup so that when he leaves, he doesn't get bashed. What else could he do? I what mean, else? They traded away the second best player on the team against his wishes. I mean, he tried everything. I mean, really. Now, along the lines of Kyrie, because I do think we've yet to really hear Someone take the blame for this. And it's my belief that either LeBron or Kyrie has to take the blame. But first, on first take, Stephen A. had his thoughts on Kyrie and LeBron. What I'm saying to you is this. The same Kyrie Irving that averaged 27-1 series, averaged 29 the next, proved himself to be a superstar, departed because he didn't want to be treated like some fair-weathered stepchild, okay? He wanted to show that he was worthy of being the face of a franchise. So when I heard that comment, I'm like, well, you know, technically speaking, yeah, you're right. You did tell Dan Gilbert, don't trade him. But he didn't sit up there and say, Dan Gilbert, please don't trade this man. This brother's a superstar. I need him. What he said was, don't trade him. You got his rights. He's locked in for two years. What the hell are you doing? That's a difference. So here's my question, Cofield. Is, and here's why I think there's blame. In the 2018 NBA, in the modern NBA, the only way you can win, no matter how good you are, and the thing about LeBron is I think we've seen he is the best player in the NBA. I said on my Twitter right after game one, best player, worst GM. And I think there's some truth because how amazing he played and they still lost speaks a lot to the other players on the team. Now, LeBron can say, oh, what, me? Who? Like, remember Beetlejuice? Who, me? <laughs> but see that'd be a good drop right now but here's my point Kyrie Kyrie's chance to win a title unequivocally would have been better staying in Cleveland this year this year unequivocally so really Kyrie said by leaving by forcing a trade that I'd rather decrease my chance to win a title to get out of here there's only two possibilities broadly that could have driven that justifiably. One is if LeBron was so difficult to deal with, giving him no respect or, or not enough respect for being a top 15 player. That's what Kyrie is, was last year, is. Um, you know, assuming he comes back from injury 100%. So it's either LeBron just dissed him and disrespected him in a way that was unacceptable, or Kyrie said, Oh, I don't want, I want my team and I don't care if it causes me to decrease the chance of winning a title. To me, both of those are condemnable. If LeBron didn't give the proper respect to such a good player, then that's his fault. He doesn't have that player. And if Kyrie says, I don't, LeBron gave me all the respect, but I need to be the number one dog here, then it's like, okay. But if you're choosing that over winning a title or at least chances decreasing, I think that is, condemnable 
Cofield, do you agree with the way I'm framing it? And which way do you think it goes? Yes. But before I answer, I want to ask Brad and Fezzik, who should take the blame? Who do you think, LeBron or Kyrie? LeBron. Now, what makes you say that? Uh, I, you've seen him have difficulty working with teammates in the past. I think that there's a good point there. It seems like his uh, shelf life is uh, limited in each spot. Fez? LeBron. Wow. Okay. Any any thoughts? If LeBron was a good person to play with, or even a reasonable one, well, first why? of all, let's not say a good person because obviously, in many ways, he's excellent on the court, right? And we don't. And we're not saying this is about him as uh, ethical or moral or whatever. Is is it, what's the experience being his teammates? The question exactly. Better word would be enjoyable to to work with. I think that he's such a great player. Who wouldn't want to play with him on the court unless there is some other extenuating circumstances? I put 80% of the blame on LeBron and 20 on Kyrie. And I actually think I could even reduce that on Kyrie's side because, you know, I'm such a Celtics supporter. I don't like the Celtics. I'm not a fan of the Celtics. But I believe in what they have going on, that Kyrie could have looked at that team and said, you know what, I have about the same shot to win a title this year. But he didn't know he was going to be on that team. He didn't say, send me to Boston or else. There he was a risk, he could, right? He could have been sent anywhere. There were some other deals to he maybe said, land him in Utah or Indiana. He said anywhere but here. Okay. So I'll stick with 80-20. And uh, I, don't, I don't go into the, hey, is LeBron cool to play with or is he too domineering? It's just, you're the 33-year-old. Your shelf life is only so long to win a title. You can't do it all yourself. But it's his, it's his ego as... LeBron, the bad GM. Like, I, I'm, I'll make it work on the court, and I'll also make it work off the court. Think about this. Look at what the Warriors have built over time, right? All the little tweaks and changes they've made. Maybe this year they went a little too far. But they've added to their team throughout. LeBron's team has actually gotten worse with him sort of being the GM, in spite of what he said, that they traded Kyrie from out under him. He had no idea. But remember, Golden State, part of it is they had guys on rookie contracts and as they graduated to their second contract, there was just less money to go around. Mm-hmm. Right. So the fact they've been able to keep the four together has been, I mean, when have we ever, I think most people agree that Golden State's the best starting five in the history of the NBA. Now, if you look at the odds, Golden State's the best team in the history of the NBA. We've never had, and let's go modern era post-1980, we've never had teams minus 200 in the regular season. In in Michael Jordan's heyday, it was usually Michael or the field. Even, you know, minus 110, minus 110, even money. Tiger Woods in the field used to be a thing. Michael in the field. Here it was, oh, it's Golden State versus the field. But by the way, with Golden State, you've got to lay double as much money, minus 200. So that's, uh, we've got a historically good team with Golden State. But once again, it goes back to what did we see on the court in game one? Did it seem like a historically good team? Obviously. When we come back up next, we're going to have the exact odds that you can bet on where LeBron plays next season. Straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Straight out of Vegas in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. Yeah, we're looking ahead to the offseason, see what LeBron James is going to do if he wins a title or not. He's got plenty of options out there, and the numbers are out. You can bet his landing spot in, I always call it faraway places, but I guess we don't have to do that anymore, offshore. And you can also make a speculation bet 
for the 2019 title, kind of guess where LeBron is going to go and bet for the title next year. Yeah, so here we are, and let's talk first odds of where LeBron goes next year. And we're going to go down these. we got four favorites, so I'll rattle off the teams, and then we'll talk about each one. Cavs, 76ers are tied as the favorites. Rockets, third. Lakers, fourth. And everyone else is 16-1 to or worse. So let's talk Cavs. They were plus 110 on Monday, so right around even money. Now up to plus 175. This is betonline.ag online. Okay, so I think as much as people are like, yeah, I think he's leaving, hey, plus 175 presupposes that, you know, what, he's got a 35 38% chance to stay. I think from the insiders you hear, uh, on Fox and different networks, it, the people that, in a way, should know if if the word's out, it doesn't seem like anyone's saying, I guarantee, you know, anyone, or at least more than a person here or there saying, I guarantee this, I guarantee that. So assuming there's doubt out there, there's uncertainty, the idea of going staying where he is seems viable. And plus 175, I think price is at just about right. What do you think, Cofield? I think they have a shot. Obviously, the numbers say it. I think they have a shot. Now, the fact it went from 110 for the Cavs keeping LeBron to 175. Says they have less of a shot from, no, but from a, five days in ago. In a weird way, you would yeah. think winning, because remember, those the, those lines were, um, you know, you would think winning game seven against the Celtics increases the chances you stay in Cleveland. Because one, if he wins a title, you almost got to think he stays, Right. And obviously that's a small chance at this point that the Cavs win this series, at least according to the odds. But it feels like if they had lost to the Celtics, you could have said, yeah, this is a catastrophe. we right. got to get out right, of here. Right, right. So incrementally, winning Game 7 against Boston had to improve Cleveland, right? Their odds. You would think. All right, now. Went the other way. I, this next number is the most intriguing one because of your Brian Colangelo theory. Yeah, this to me is interesting. I was on Philly radio earlier this week, and when we said co-favorite to land LeBron plus one seventy-five, Philly, they're like, "What? <laughs> Did you hear about those burner phones?" <laughs> and I mean, to me, I really only understood burner phones from the wire, right? So when I'm hearing them talking about burner accounts on Twitter and all that, well, that's just a whole different thing. Yeah, I ain't no suit wearing businessman like you. You know, I'm just a gangster, I suppose, and I want my corners. You know, that's how I understood burners, but now we got GMs with them, you know. So, but here's the thing. What do we know about LeBron? What does history tell us? Is he likes control. Not blaming him. He likes, he likes control, though. Player, sort of coach, sort of GM. Next step would be president of basketball operations. Who has that job in Philly? Colangelo. Or it's put your guy in. Or that. Right? Put your puppet in there. (laughs) And if you're Philly and you go to him in the offseason and say, listen, you get to, and let's be candid, in Philadelphia, there's a lot of hanky love, the process. And I asked him in Philly specifically, did, is the love of hanky, Sam Hanky, 
the guy who architected the process, got them to where they are. Because I can tell you this, if you look at the moves that's been made since he left, nothing jumps out at you, right? Obviously, that trade with the Celtics last year doesn't, right? Is there anything that jumps out at you to say, boy, Philly has really improved their situation in the last 24 months? So a guy laid the groundwork, people got impatient, Hanky got fired, and now Colangelo comes in, doesn't do anything special, and then there's all kinds of controversy, is how crazy would it be to go to LeBron and say, come here, you you know, you know, and I, the owner speaking, and you, and you, LeBron, will pick the GM together or even decide before he signs, who do you want? I'll interview him, right? And the GM the Cavs had that. Well, David Griffin is one candidate. Yeah. I'll give you another name, too, is James Jones, who played all those years and just followed LeBron around as his you know, bench three-point shooter. What's he's, he doing now? He's the president of basketball operations in Phoenix. Ooh, okay, okay. So, that, I mean, if he wants one of his guys, there's a couple guys right there. Bring him to Philly. Now, not only does that land you potentially LeBron, but who's going to complain about Hanky not being there if bringing in person X in the front office got you LeBron? So, in a way, you can wipe away, remember at the beginning of Godfather 3, when they're negotiating about like the $600 million to go in the big Vatican land deal. And then the Cardinal says, this will wipe away all your past like it never happened. Well, all the casinos. You can get rid of the whole let's complain Hanky's not here if you land LeBron. Hmm. All right. Next team, Houston, plus 250. These are the odds where LeBron could land next year. And they were 6-1, to one, the Rockets, before game seven, and then they went to two and a half to one. That's that same logic we were talking about with the Cavs. The fact that Houston lost increases the chance they do something drastic. They do something big. People will say that the fact that LeBron beat Golden State, not last year but the year before, is the only reason Durant could have went to Golden State. If somehow Golden State would have won, they think Durant would have never went. Because it's like, how do you go to a championship team? So the same theory is Houston lost. Maybe they do something drastic here. So improvement with the Houston odds. Any thoughts there? And also part of that was the news early in the week that Chris Paul is recruiting LeBron. But that's been the case. That's been the case the whole time. I don't think you should. You should factor in that LeBron can recruit Chris Paul to go somewhere too. Chris Paul doesn't have to be in Houston. And then these guys can all be on the move. We didn't mention, you know, Paul George as a second choice, and Kevin Durant can move. And I'll tell you this: I think the fourth favorite here is what I'm rooting for, and and I agree with Colin when it comes to this stuff. Is I root for the most exciting things for the sports. Whenever I'm excited about the sport, there's more people want to bet. I'm having more enjoyment talking about the sport. Etc., and that is the Lakers four to one. And I get it, we don't, we maybe can't quite see how that becomes a championship team. But you know, my understanding is that they could sign LeBron and at least certainly a hundred percent one other uh, max contract. Paul so, George is going to the Lakers, okay? So, Paul George, LeBron, and the rest of that, and they don't have to give anyone up. 
for any, uh, you know, there's no trades there, so they would still have uh, Ball, and they would still have, have a third all-star and a top-20 player in Lonzo Ball. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> not, not You're speculating. <laughs> You're speculating. Got a little too fired up there. Sorry. <laughs> and, I mean, to me, that, that feels like a per- – I'll tell you this. Here's the question, and Fez, I'm going to ask you. You take the best player off of every team. LeBron's off of Cleveland. Durant's off of Golden State. Houston loses. I mean, you can say hard, and he's going to win the MVP. Then you stack rank the teams. How good are they? I think unequivocally, Golden State's the best. I think if they're healthy, Boston's probably second. Right? We can go up and down the list. Is there any doubt that Cleveland's in the bottom five? None. Same thing as last time. They dropped down to a 20-win team again. So, and they had, I can't remember. Well, they didn't have, they picked Kyrie, right? That the, the next year, or it wouldn't have been the next year, but the year after. So, yeah, but even with Kyrie there, they weren't winning, you know, before LeBron. Terrible. So here's my point. If almost every other team other than LeBron is better than Cleveland, doesn't that mean any team that LeBron goes to is going to be better than Cleveland is now with him? And right. Cleveland Looks might like win it. the championship this year. Yeah, I mean, at least they're, they won the East. So to me, if you, if you match up the Lakers with Paul George, but no LeBron, versus this Cleveland team with no LeBron, I mean, it's not even a conversation, right? That Lakers team is 7, 8, 10 points better. So how can we say, oh, he, it's going to be hard to win in L.A.? He's going to the West. You think? I'm not See, saying most... he, it'll be in the West. He'll be in the West. So that's... You think? Well, if he goes to the Lakers, yes, oh, he's in the Western well, uh, Conference. Well, I'm saying the that's competition what, wait, is... that's what you're stating is if he goes to the Lakers, he'll be in the West? Well, no, you just said how, how – what were you saying? I thought you were saying that the Lakers have a great shot to win the title. No, I, I guess I mean, what I'm saying – They're going to be in the mix, but – But here's the thing. If the assumption is the West is so much harder, if your goal is to make the finals – then it's going to be harder in the West. Mm-hmm. If your goal is to win the finals, in theory, it's going to be about as hard. I mean, you might say the semifinal round, meaning the second round is going to be tougher, but I think we saw if you're as good as Houston and Golden State was, you know, oh, well, New Orleans or New Orleans is, you know, maybe they have a shot. No, they had z- about zero shot, right? So I, I, I think in general, you could say, being battle tested in the West gets you ready for the fight, you know, gets you ready for those playoffs. You got to wonder how much of LeBron's failures in, in it's all relative failures, quote unquote, in the finals has to do with the path has been easier to get there. And almost like those old temple teams in college basketball is some of those temple teams came into the NCAA tournament, like with 12 or 13 losses. And they, they were tough, tough teams because they were battle tested. I'm not sure that's a, a na- you know, is that a positive or a negative to be in the West? Probably a positive if you can make it. All right. When we come back, lot great NBA talk, guys. Kudos. When we come back and we've got the update coming up, we are going to be talking week one college football. Brad Powers got three big games, and one of them 
is a best bet you can play right now. First, Kevin Figures with the Lakers. All right, guys, we'll start on the ice. Game three of the Stanley Cup Finals, and it goes in favor of the Washington Capitals, who got a 3-1 to victory over the Las Vegas Golden Knights. Alex Ovechkin with his 14th goal of this postseason. Braden Holtby with 21 saves as well as Washington won its first home game in a Stanley Cup final since 1998. Vegas, by the way, losing consecutive games for the first time in this postseason run. A couple of golf notes. Tiger Woods shot four under 68 to pull into a tie for seventh. He's five strokes back, headed into the final round of the Memorial Tournament and the U.S. Women's Open Golf Tournament. Aria Jutanagarn currently atops the leaderboard. You can watch final round coverage beginning at 2 Eastern on Fox TV later today. Online car shopping can be confusing. Not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. In Major League Baseball, the Mariners with a 3-1 victory over the Rays. Marco Gonzalez has allowed just one run in his last 26 innings for Seattle. D-backs with a 6-2 victory over the Marlins as Paul Goldschmidt hit a home run. Arizona's won four of their last five. Giants and Rangers with victories. The Padres with a victory over the Reds. Dodgers get eight runs in the seventh inning. They beat the Rockies 12-4. Red Sox with a 5-4 victory over the Astros. Cubs with a 7-1 victory over the Mets in 14 innings. Wins for the Brewers, Nationals, and Twins. Back to straight out of Vegas. All right. Thank you, Kevin. It is straight out of Vegas in the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Cofield, you made a good point. If we look at these odds, the Superbook here in town, <laughs> you look at these odds, Is there is a message, and it's a strong one, about Cleveland's chances. Because the, the explicit odds on his chances... Uh, LeBron's of going back to Cleveland are, like we said, their co-favorites at plus 175 with Philadelphia. If you look at the actual next year's title odds, it's a shocker. They're either planting a flag or they have information. So here are the odds. Well, no information. Listen, these these bookies that are you know, like the second and third bookie that's driving like a, like a uh, uh, $14,000 car, they, they have no inside information with LeBron. Odds for the title. Next year, Golden State plus one twenty-five. Well, that seems pretty affordable, doesn't it? Yeah, but okay. Durant, you know, Durant is not certain to be back, though. Very likely, who knows? Has wanted to be all over that. Uh, the Rockets and the Sixers are the next choices. This is the title next year. You can bet on it now, plus three fifty, seven to two. Boston, that'll be my play. I already made the declaration last year that Boston will be the team in the NBA from two thousand nineteen to two thousand twenty-six. They're eight to one. <laughs> Hot take, hot shot, right? <laughs> he is Steve Cofield. <laughs> hot take, hot shot. Lakers twenty to one. So you see a theme here, right? With some of these teams, uh, Miami. And here's the point: yeah. is there and what the bookies are doing, and we all know bookies are bad. They are bad. Is they want to take your money? I mean, that's a bad play. If you wonder who's bad, it's the people that want to take your money. They're bad. Bookies are bad. Did you get that, Steve? Bookies sure, are bad. Sure. Is <laughs> this is another example of how bad they are? They're giving you, except for one case, pretty much, and, and give them credit in this case, pretty much the best case scenario. Right. Right. Is because you can't bet the no. Whenever you can't bet the no, then they can put, they can make everyone even money. Like this and room. Can, yeah. This room would, would you, if it was minus 500 on the no on Philly, would everyone here take a 
big portion of their bankroll and go, you know what, I'll bet the no. I don't know about a big portion, but I think it'd be a good bet. Right. So let's continue down the list. Lakers 20 to 1. Miami 20 to 1. Speculation, hey, maybe he goes back to South Beach. Cleveland 30 to 1 to win the title. His current team 30 to 1. So here's the question. If if LeBron does come back, and obviously who knows would they sign anyone else? Would they trade love? Whatever. I gotta think they would be before any moves, they would be in the eight to one range. So they're really kind of saying the odds are like far less than twenty five or twenty five percent or less is built in implicitly here when it comes to the chance that LeBron is coming back to Cleveland. So if you actually think he's coming back to Cleveland, I think that thirty to one is juicy. By the way, I have one last thought yeah, about. I was, going, I was looking at the money burning a hole in my pocket. About, the square chairs getting all fired up. <laughs> thirty to one <laughs> gives me something to root for. I got one last thought on bookies. He was a moocher, a card cheat, a country club golf hustler, a scumbag, chasing dentists for a few bucks. <laughs> chasing dentists for a few bucks. <laughs> That's the bookies, baby. Let's do some college football. So every week, Brad Powers is looking ahead to this college football season. Week one, we talked about some of the big games last week. Uh, let's hit on more of them. Washington and Auburn in Atlanta. And I'm glad you bring up Atlanta, Steve. And that's a big factor considering that Auburn has played now three straight games in that stadium. <laughs> so Auburn already geographically speaking going to be much closer, going to have the crowd edge in that game, and the fact that they played each of their last two games in Atlanta, you got to give Auburn right off the top a point and a half, two points of an advantage. But here's why I like Washington over Auburn, Washington plus three. Washington's got the better team, and clearly, in my opinion, the better coach, Chris Peterson. Four-year starting quarterback, four-year starting running back. And what I really like about Washington's teams this year is, if you listen to the advanced analytics guys, Obviously, quarterback, the most important position. But in college football, there's this, you know, a lot of talk about defensive back, the secondary, particularly on defense, being the most important position. And by all accounts, coming into the season, Washington might have the best secondary in the country. I'm taking the Huskies plus three over Auburn week one. And it's a good example. Week one, you aren't thinking about how a team's going to evolve. Uh, if they got a young quarterback, they're going to get much better. You're thinking about how good are they week one. And thus, maturity, experience on the offensive line, experience at quarterback means much more in week one than week five and beyond. Absolutely. And clearly, in this particular instance, Washington won the most experienced teams in the country heading into 2018. So as folks are listening to this, you do understand the lines are out. They came out, so Brad was all over them for week one in college football this coming season. You got 13 bets down? Uh, 22 bets oh, down oh, my overall. Bad. Yeah. 22. Okay. 22. Okay, and the average move on those bets, five points. Okay, that's what welcome I to Mirage, right? Mister Papa Giorgio. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Virginia Tech <laughs> taking on Florida State. True uh, road spot. Oh, five. No question. And if you're looking for the the most hostile atmosphere, week one, because a lot of these are neutral site games, it's going to be Labor Day night. That Florida State home crowd. We already saw in the spring game, Florida State. I mean, it's had trouble get selling out their home games the last couple of years. They had sixty thousand people for their spring game, so a lot of excitement for Florida State. Currently, about a five point home favorite. And I, I know I won't get the stinger for the breaking news for this one, but just announced about twenty four hours ago, Virginia Tech lost both of their projected starting cornerbacks 
for the entire season. This was already a secondary that lost three starters, including their best player that went to RJ's Pittsburgh Steelers in the first round, their safety. This is a Virginia Tech defense now that's got some major question marks. A very excitable home crowd. Like Willie Taggart, don't love him, the new head coach for Florida State. But I did get a – you talk about five-point line moves. I did bet Florida State an early number at pick. Line's currently five with Florida State favored, still lean with the Seminoles. Where does that one land in the end? Does it finish at like seven? Yeah, six or seven. Okay. Well, this is a good week. Miami taking on LSU. No, it's a really good week considering we already went through three big games last week. Here's my best bet, though. So this is the best bet? Absolutely. Best bet in this one. Miami taking on LSU. Another neutral site game played in Arlington. I like Miami minus the two and a half here for a multitude of reasons. Number one, I think we're buying Miami low. You look at Miami, started off the season last year 10-0, and number two in the country. What happened at the end? Three major injuries on the offensive side of the ball, lost each of their last three games. This year's Miami's team is four and a half, five points better than last year's Miami team. On the flip side, LSU, this could be the worst LSU team we've seen in two decades. LSU has won at least eight games every single year since 1999. Their win total right now is seven. And I don't see anyone betting. <laughs> that number's not moving. A lot of people aren't lining up to bet the over. This is a team for the first time since 1974. Doesn't return a single running back that rushed for a touchdown the year before. I like Miami, the better team with a much better coach, Mark Rick, over Ed Orgeron. Give me the Hurricanes of Miami, minus 2.5 as my best bet week one. This is your wake-up call, pal. Go to work. All right, we got it straight from Brad. By the way, this guy lives college football. He worked for Phil Steele for about seven years, learned a bunch, and moved it out to Vegas. We're lucky to have him. You can follow him on Twitter, see his tickets, and also some good information, free information we post up at pregame.com, and it's at Brad Powers 7, Brad Powers 7. So to me, Fez, there's going to be a theme here because of the idea of this early betting. And I do think we got to be honest. And I'll, I'll tell everybody, one of the things we pride ourselves on is we never, ever, never, never, ever, ever talk about easy money. And listen, we're not the only sharp people in the world. Far from it. I mean, I would say the sharpest that's on you know radio, but you know, I'll leave others. I mean, I'm I'm not necessarily going to say that myself. Not a bragger. This is where I go. I go to Vegas via the Coward Global Satellite Network. RJ Bell, pregame.com. Well, I guess you know, Colin agrees. Funny how those are always handy. But <laughs> always handy. But <laughs> this is what I'll say: is if you got other people you like and you know benefit from them, but if anyone is ever talking about easy money. If they're saying, oh, this is the lock. We got we got a call from the trainer. That's when you run the other way because there is no easy money in this business. There might have been. You could make the case there was 20 or 30 years ago. There certainly isn't any easy money now. So what does that mean? One, always bet reasonably, bet within your means. Also run away from the guys telling you it's easy. But one last thing, bet early. Because I'll tell you right now, we can say how 22 games or whatever. But Brad, on the individual games that you've bet, the average line move, meaning if I say, I want to follow Brad, he seems smart. I heard he reads nine newspapers a day. I want to follow Brad is 
on average, I, I'm not saying you have the exact numbers in your head, I'd be playing the lines, what, four or five points worse? It's about five-point difference right now in all the games that I played already. So, like, you were lay, uh, laying one, and now if I were to lay all those games, I'd be laying six on average. Absolutely. Great case, Syracuse. Bet a minus one against Western. And you don't have to overdo it, but go yeah. ahead, give us Western one. Western Michigan? <laughs> Now they're laying six. Your yeah. exact example. Right, there you go. So, <laughs> I thought you were going to give us the big one. No, no, right. no. And here's the thing, guys. Why is it Brad's really sharp? Yeah, but it's also <laughs> it's also that he's betting against one guy, a book, a bad bookie. Actually, bookies are bad, and it's so much easier for Brad. If it's Brad against one bookie, I'm putting my money on Brad. If it's Brad against the whole world which is what it is on the day of the game. The whole world has had their say in that line. The smartest algorithms, the biggest batters, Fezzik, whomever. Now, does it mean a, a, a great batter can't win? It means it's so much harder. So when we do this stuff in the preseason, it's to get us ready, but it's also some real betting opportunities. Speaking of that, when we come back, last segment, Fezzik gives us an early pick in the NFL Week 1. That's on the way. Straight out of Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! Straight out of Vegas, Geico, Fox Sports Radio Studios. Great news. There's a quick way you can save money. Switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes, you can save 15% or more on car insurance. So, Steve, you do uh, Vegas radio 15 hours a week here. Biggest name in Vegas sports talk, and it's not even close, is... You were flabbergasted at the amount of interest, energy, love for the Golden Knights. Now, we've talked about, you know, I'm not a big hockey guy, but we've talked about there's been so many bettors that bet the Golden Knights as long shot, like souvenir type tickets. It started at 500 to 1. Right. There hasn't been a champion in any major sport, college or pro, since 2000, a bigger long shot than 100 to 1. This is 500 to 1. And like I say, think about how many Uber drivers have a ticket in their pocket. Blackjack dealers. Um, I like to call them exotic entertainers. They probably have a few $20 ones. You know, it's 20 per dance, Faz. I don't know if you know that. But it's going to be if the Golden Knights are able to come back and win the biggest win for the batters, the biggest loss for the bad bookies in the history of future pools. Let's get updated odds real quick now that they're down Vegas 2-1. They're down. They lost on Saturday. They're down 2-1 to one in the series, and it's what, minus 240 capitals for the series? Yep, capitals and minus 240 take back on uh, Vegas Golden Knights plus 190. All right, we got our best bet. Stop on the Miami Dolphins, week one, NFL plus two, hosting the Tennessee Titans. The Dolphins are underrated. I expect them to be much better with Tannehill back at quarterback, replacing Jay Cutler, who had some awful stats that absolutely make the Dolphins look like a really bad team. Contrast that with the Titans, who are overrated. The Titans went 9-7 and seven last year, three wins in division against backup quarterbacks. Throw those games out. They were a team that went 6-7, and seven, that got outscored, by, wait for it, 51 points in those 13 games. I believe that the Dolphins will be favored by the time this game kicks off in September. What's the line right now? Plus two. Dolphins plus two. Best bet from Steve Fezzik. Now, to me, the thing to think about with Tennessee 
is the psychology of the Titans that they made the playoffs and they won a playoff game. People don't remember stats. They don't remember the margin of victories. They tend to remember, oh, that team was in the playoffs. Oh, Mariota, he's probably getting a little bit better. Oh, they got a new coach. That means maybe the problems that's been there are going to get solved. So I think psychologically, the overvaluation of Tennessee makes sense. Thus, I agree with Fez, value on the Dolphins week one. Big week on the way. Sports betting opens up in Delaware, one thirty. On Tuesday. How about that? Jonas Knox is on the way. We're back Friday, 11 o'clock Pacific, right here, straight out of Vegas on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas! At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.